You're listening to the Creating Phenomenal for Your Life podcast, episode number one, Judgment. This is Creating Phenomenal for Your Life. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a lover of learning, life and weight loss coach, and a family medicine doctor. This podcast is about mindset, what contributes to a life that thrives versus one that is stuck. We'll talk about many things, some related to coaching, some related to health, and some related to your questions, thoughts, and prompts. The ultimate goal of this podcast is to celebrate where we are at and give form to where we're going in our perfectly imperfect journey to a phenomenal life, and give high fives along the way. Thanks for being here. Welcome. So we're going to start off this podcast by going straight to a sensitive topic. May as well start with the best. A new friend said recently during our first conversation, wow, you really skipped the small talk. Yep, (laughs) today's no exception. We'll get to know each other over time and we'll save the small talk for later. So judgment, what does this word conjure up for you? Is it something inside of you or outside? Do you think of yourself or someone else or something else? Is it thoughts that come to mind or is it something that you feel somewhere in your body? Looking at one definition of judgment, it's the opinion formed. That's it, the opinion formed. Thinking about daily life, there's lots of opinions that are formed. And within those opinions, they can have some harsh harsh critics. So judgment can be appearance-based, how you look, how someone looks, how what they wear, how it fits. It can be performance-based how someone did or did not meet your expectations, how you did or didn't live up to your own expectations. I know I applied for medical school more than once and had a lot of judgment about that process, mostly internal self-judgment about how it was supposed to go but didn't. It can be relationship-based with our significant other, with our immediate family or extended family or friends, professional relationships. I hear it a lot. Why can't things be different? Why do they have to fill in the blank? Why won't they change? Why can't I change? It can also be about things that we own. So objects or possessions in our life. I know we owned a Toyota hybrid. We purchased it when our son was six with the idea that that was his car at 16. And at 100,000 miles, something broke on it. And it ended up being the same cost to replace that part as the vehicle was worth, which created a lot of judgment about the vehicle and the brand and our decision to purchase it in the first place. These are just a few examples. And in daily life, boy, our mind can come up with a lot of judgments about anything. And sometimes it feels like everything. Here's what's fascinating about judgment. One is that it slams doors. It doesn't just shut them, it slams them and then it locks them with the idea that they never need to be opened again. So if I think about it, if I judge someone, what's the likelihood that I'm going to start a conversation or see that maybe they're hurting or develop a friendship or a business relationship? When I'm judging myself, how likely am I to do anything different? Wear different clothes, try some different fitness, change what I eat. When I'm judging myself about medical school, 
how likely am I to apply a second time or a third time or a fourth time even? And in a relationship, when there's judgment, how likely am I to acknowledge that maybe I was wrong or maybe forgiveness is needed or maybe a lot of grace is needed? Next is that judgments keep our attention on the past. Our mind will keep going back to them and strengthen them and find more evidence on why they're right, why they're even more true, they're still relevant, nothing needs to change. This is correct. It's like we have to be right-er. <laughs> That's so ungrammatically correct. <laughs> but hopefully it makes sense. Judgments keep our opportunities small and narrow. That's another way of saying the first two things again. If I only see my judgments, I'm not going to see people for who they are or what they are or what they're searching for or what we have in common. And here's the big one. I'm not going to see what my judgments are really about, which is probably me. Next is that we label ourselves based on the judgments. I hear this one a lot. I'm an emotional eater. I'm always going to be overweight. I'm sensitive. I'm a failed dieter. I'm never going to get ahead. And then we isolate. And that's a tough one. As though we're not deserving of anything better or there can't possibly be anything better. That our friendships or the people that we love, we can't let them know. We have to we have to be alone with this. Judgments also prevent gratitude, and that prevents grace. If I'm searching for what's wrong and reinforcing it, or if I'm searching for why I'm right and reinforcing that, how am I going to find anything to be thankful for? And finally, reflection is not invited to a judgment party. When a judgment's in place, our mind just closes, unless there's more more data, or at least more fuel to strengthen it. So we aren't looking to learn anything new, because that would disrupt the judgment. We aren't looking to grow, because we're already right. So those opportunities are lost. So what do you do? The biggest one is don't believe everything you think. This is an often quoted, I'm certain many famous people have said it, don't believe everything you think. Just because the mind comes up with it doesn't make it right, doesn't make it valid, doesn't make it relevant, and specifically isn't going to bring you closer to what you're looking for for your own life. Even for somebody with a perfect IQ or EQ score, or somebody who is a, a living example of all that's right in the world, they still don't have to believe everything they think. Because a thought comes to mind doesn't make it right or true. Here's an example. And this is an example from a friend who found a breast lump. And she's in the medical world. So from the identification to making her own diagnosis was about 10 seconds and it was fraught with immediate fear and worry and isolation. And the automatic thought was, this is cancer. I have cancer. 
Again, this is a 10 second from identification to making her own diagnosis out of worry and fear. That automatic thought was no more correct than another thought of whatever this is, we'll get it figured out. Each was equally plausible at the moment, and one was no more correct than the other. But one certainly got the nervous system going, rather than the other one, which was calm, we'll get it figured out. And ultimately, two days later, the diagnosis from the workup with her doctor was clearly non-cancerous. So because that thought came to mind, didn't make it right or true. Here's another example, just on not being accepted in medical school the first time. The automatic thought, you aren't meant to be a doctor, is equally as plausible as it's not the right time or there's more to learn before medical school. Here's the punchline. When I was accepted, I was ready to enter medical school that day. And I wasn't ready before that. So I'm thankful to have the opportunity to grow into who I needed to be at the time I needed to be it because it changed my future and it changed my ability to serve within medicine. And finally, just one more example. Another friend recently had gone silent and the thought that came to mind, she's too busy She's got a full life. She doesn't need a friend right now. Those were some automatic judgments on the situation. Rather than, I wonder if I could be helpful, or I wonder what she's up to. So what can you do? First, acknowledge that this is part of the human experience. It is the price of being human. That we have a range of responses from our minds Start from primitive and fear-based to a higher level of reasoning and selflessness. We all have this to a varying degree, and some of us are more attuned to the higher level of thinking, and some of us are really take notice of those primitive ways of thinking. Number two, stop judging ourselves for the judgment. That creates a lot of pain. So thinking, I shouldn't be this way, is judging the judgment. I shouldn't think this way. I should be happier. I should be more grateful. Boy, that really compounds it. It's like punching yourself in the face on one side and then turning around and punching on the other side just to balance it. It's really a no-win. Number three, stop buying into it. Don't get wrapped up. Don't agree. Because I didn't get into medical school the first time, didn't mean I wasn't meant to be a doctor. I didn't have to buy into that thought. Instead, I can consider, oh, that's a good one. Good one, brain. But you're not getting my attention. Do you ever see somebody who's sitting in a room, maybe working on something, or my son does this, he studies and he listens to the radio. And if I ask him what's on the radio, he has no idea. 
It's just background noise. He's filtered it out. He likes that it's there, but filtered it out. And we can do that with our minds as well. We can kind of filter out those things that aren't helpful or relevant. We can acknowledge, that's a good one. Or, hmm. (laughs) And then continue on. We don't have to buy into it. And we especially don't have to get wrapped up in it. Number four, shift your mind into thinking about how to add value. It's an uncomfortable one, right? How to add value. If you think, why would I add value to someone or something I just judged? That's why. I totally get it. I'm a strong I on the Myers-Briggs. Like, no E, only I for introvert. So looking for ways to connect with others, to add value to others, it's not a natural strength. But it's our humanity. It's trapping into our true self and opening up possibilities by looking at how to add value to others. It may be so simple, saying hello, making eye contact, giving a high five. My husband taught me this. It's absolutely amazing and it's well-received both with kids and with adults because it's a way to physically connect that offers enough but not too much into someone else's space. And it's generally a celebration. High five. Yay for you. We can also choose words of support. It looks like you're having a rough day. Hooray, you made it out today. Whatever it is, some simple words of support. And what's incredible is that those words can change somebody's trajectory. I have people coming up to me who said, hey, you remember when you said that? I think about that all the time. Like that's the coolest thing ever. Unfortunately, I generally don't remember, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad to hear from them. And I'm so glad that it, it came at a time that was helpful. And it came at a time that helped to change perhaps the direction that they were going. Finally, in looking at shifting our mind into how to add value, Look at what the struggle really is through that person's eyes. What are, what are they seeing as the struggle? For me, it can be fear, doubt, or uncertainty. Is that what somebody else is experiencing? Are they questioning why they're here, what they're doing, what their value is? How can I add value to that? Number five. Reflect on and express gratitude for the opportunity to witness and perhaps be what someone else needed at that moment to keep going because we honestly have no idea of the load that someone's carrying, which is amazing and heartbreaking at the same time. We can have gratitude for ourselves as an opportunity to learn, to grow, to develop new practices and gratitude for what's possible When we start tearing down the walls, when we unlock the doors, when we stop slamming them, it's amazing what opens up as possible. We start asking better questions because we see ourselves differently, we see others differently, and it brings out new freedom. Because if I can manage the discomfort and not buy into these automatic thoughts, 
Boy, I can take so much better care of myself. Boy, I can see what others might be struggling with and how I may be able to help or at least acknowledge that they're struggling without judgment. So in contrast, and to support the shifts that we talked about, here's a second definition of judgment. The ability to make a decision or form an opinion objectively, authoritatively, and wisely, especially in matters affecting good sense and direction. Objective, authoritative, and wise. Wow. That's really a calling to our higher selves. So here's encouragement to look at the automatic and reinforced judgments that are part of all of our lives. First, stop believing them. Two, no judgment for their presence or for how often they arise. Three, how can this fuel connection? And four, gratitude to see what's possible when you let go. I'm totally on your team. Thank you for joining me on this first episode on the path to creating phenomenal for our lives. Have a wonderful week. Let's stay connected. Sign up for regular emails at georgemdcoaching.com forward slash freebie and you'll receive a guide on the five obstacles to your ideal weight. That's georgemdcoaching.com forward slash F-R-E-E B-I-E.